Welcome back to episode 62 of the Grassroots Guy podcast with me, your host, Harry Purdy. It's been that long since I've done a show. I nearly forgot how to do an introduction to a podcast then. I'm absolutely delighted uh, and excited to welcome back a previous guest of the show, uh, men's health expert, proper fucking sound geezer, Alliance uh, Alliance Ally, I'm going to call him, Mr. Ooh. Rob McGeary. How are we Alliance. doing? I like that. Alliance Ally. We are allies. It is like Mr. Mort has built an army. I like this. Mate, it, congratulations. 62 episodes. That's phenomenal. Thank you, mate. I mean, every time I get like into a conversation about podcasts with people, it's the people that are aware of podcasts and the likelihood of them making it past episode five or whatever it is. And then 99% of those episodes don't make it past episode 21. Mm. And look, I'll tell everybody straight. I've had no real reward apart from amazing conversations with my guests. But there we go. Episode 62. Let's get this show on the road. That's phenomenal. Mate, um, last time you were on the show, we spoke about all sorts of things from nutrition to your favorite conspiracy, uh, conspiracy, conspiracy theory. There we go. Um, and also your top five tips for looking after your mental health i've wrote down some stuff today literally just talking points but one of the main reasons i wanted to get you back on the show was um obviously we 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 talk about a conspiracy fuck me i can't speak today conspiracy theory before there we go let's slow it down a little bit and you said about the i'm pretty sure from memory you said your favorite conspiracy theory was talking about well not talking about but the 9-11 one and mm. how it potentially went into like control and control the masses, security, all that sort of thing. However, Rob, I want to challenge your answer to the question. And I want to say that your favorite conspiracy theory is that there is artificial intelligence of another format in our on our planet. Okay. So <clears throat> all I would say to that is that's no longer a conspiracy. Really, that's no longer a conspiracy. That's pretty yeah. much the US government have confirmed that, it. Yeah, pretty much out in the open. What's really cool to see with this, and obviously, you know, we don't have to turn this into a UFO podcast because it's not your, <laughs> it's not your audience. But what people aren't really seeing is 2021, no, uh, mid lockdown. Sorry, mid lockdown, Pentagon came out article on the front of the New York Post or New York Times. Yeah, Times. <laughs> Um, declassified military naval footage these things in the sky flying um, pretty much define the laws of physics like there's no heat trail there's no visible means of propulsion it's not a type of craft we have in our arsenal allegedly and they're saying whatever this is these UFOs are real this opens a whole debate okay what are the UFOs are they aliens is it someone else's technology is it drones who knows? We don't actually have the answer to that. But we might, because now they're also changing the laws on whistleblowers who are coming out and saying what they're working on, what they've seen, or what private contractors they're working with. Because Congress in America, or the Senate, whichever one it is, likes having oversight on everything. And so if there's private military work going on that they don't have oversight over, they don't like that. So that's kind of cool that in this power grab that they're trying all the time to have oversight on every single little thing it's kind of cool that they're like hang on 
we want oversight on this as well. The presentation towards them was a little bit rubbish. It was a little bit skewed. There was so much more stuff they could have shown. So now it opens this whole debate of, okay, these things exist. What the hell are they? More and more people are coming out, naval, um, engineers, all sorts of stuff are coming out, and they'll be protected by this whistleblower act. So anything that says kind of has to be looked into with a little bit more detail. I put, what did I put on? A tenor in October that something big will be said. Either there'll be a large admission of that America, at the very least, has some sort of craft in their possession, or some much clearer, better footage will be declassified, which apparently is is out there. If you've watched these videos on, on YouTube of the vids that were declassified, they're very, very short snippets. And the people who have seen the rest of the video say they're even clearer, and it's even more incredible what's going on in these vids. I yeah, because obviously, really like, from seeing your seeing your comments and not not your comments but like looking at your comments and being like oh that really interests me i listened to um bob lazar's i watched bob lazar's documentary with that jeremy mm. bella who was on um oh. joe rogan podcast and it just gets your brain spinning but i don't feel scared of it as such so my question to you rob it's almost like a what your opinion on it is really is when I've spoken to people recently and just said like, because obviously, you know, when it's at the forefront of your mind, I'm like, UFOs, yes or no? People just go, nah, straight away, nah. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Because the like, you can't even describe how big the universe is. Like, it's that big, that phenomenal, <laughs> that many solar systems, that many stars, yeah. that them... Like, if you ask me, I feel like you are very, very close-minded to say no overall no what's mm. your thoughts on that it's it's the human ego's inability to suspend disbelief for a second we like to think that because we're top of the food chain on this planet we must be top of the food chain in the entire universe we've about we well, not abandoned but we've steered further and further away from any sort of faith so the idea that something or some deity created this giant thing um, it's becoming less and less popular with a lot of people. I don't know, see, mate, I think I saw something recently that certain religions are increasing in size, which I think is a good thing. Um, but people don't want to seem silly or stupid, even though people are believing silly and stupid shit every single day with what's thrown their direction on social media. Um, so to ask them to believe for a second that aliens are visiting this planet from another, you know, it's the realms of Hollywood stuff, it's sci-fi, why would people then think, well, hang on, this is actually real? But look at some of the, in terms of the advances of technology and some things the government are implementing, this has been the realm of sci-fi for years, but it's still also happening. So to ask someone to, for a second, just consider the idea that we're being visited by beings from another planet that have, what do you call it? transportation that is you know defies anything we we can even conceive at the moment and they're coming here when no one has well most people haven't seen one it's it's you're it's a big ask to, yeah. to take someone to get someone to think for a second hmm is this true but again it goes it, it goes deep you've got to look at what is officially being like there is something happening there are these things these crafts of multiple shapes and sizes up in the air that are out flying our fastest jets that are literally defying the laws of, of physics as we know. Anything them, we know, yeah. 
a trans medium. They're going from air to water. Also, the the well, maybe not the scientists, but the military at the very least, they're coming out and saying this is real. So we have to listen. We have to listen at that point. There is something going on. But again, when there's so much else going on in the world, I had this conversation with a mate the other day. It's we could see like full on Independence Day style mothership enters the Earth's atmosphere and just hovers there. You can't deny it that it's real. Everyone can see it or it's all over the news. But you've still got to take the bins out on Monday and people yeah. are still be asking you for their payment for whatever subscription you're signed up to. <laughs> and, like life still has the mundane elements of life still has to carry on a little bit. And some people just place them uh, that, that mundane continuation more than they do over anything that questions our reality or our history or so I, I'm a, I, I move from, from point to point, but I don't necessarily think they're coming from another planet. I think they're here and have been here. However, they are, whether it is coming out of the water, whether it is transdimensional, whatever the hell it is, I think these things, because the stories go back way longer than the last 20 years, way longer than the 1940s if you really, really look, but ignore all the ancient aliens on National Geographic Channel. They didn't build the pyramids or any shit like that. But I think they've been here for a lot longer than we than we realise. I mean, that's uh, an interesting point you say then, mate, because about the pyramids and stuff, because, I mean, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know what era that was. Let me just Google it, in fact. Uh, pyramids built. Yeah. So 2,550 BC, so we're talking over 4,000 years ago. The technology to cut stone and get stone to the height that it is at is quite disbelievable, really. Mm. And I'm sure there's like a measurement as well within the pyramids that I'm not sure if it's the, I'm not, is it the great, the great pyramid the one with the, with the three the massive one in the middle and the three mm. they're um like the the shapes and the measurements and the angles that they're at follow the earth's like mm. uh what's the one along the middle the equator is it like to yeah, the yeah. absolute millimeter basically. Weird. this could be coincidence but apparently matches up with certain constellations as well or something like that it's crazy i, I really do want to go one day but it also seems like a bit of a tourist trap other yeah, Pete's client. She's Egyptian. She lives near Cairo. She says, "Do not go. It's just the worst thing." But it fascinates me. Really fascinates and me. And the more yeah. you look at the people who who do who are allowed to go in there, all these hidden chambers that aren't open to the public, different hieroglyphics that are on the wall, constantly talking about stargates in some of these hieroglyphics. Pyramids were originally covered in some sort of limestone. I, I don't quote me on limestone, but some sort of sheen. It wasn't. It wasn't levels like that. It was a alleged to have been like almost like a metallic looking sheen from a distance. There was a headstone that's been long gone. There's sound chambers in there, that chambers that have been shaped a certain way that sound only travels in one sort of bit that's alleged to be related to rebirthing rituals they would perform using sound and psychedelics and stuff like that. Like from what, 4,000 years ago? Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's, that's advanced. That's more advanced than what people could do today. You tell, you tell, like, let's get 100 geezers together and recreate that exactly as it is no with chat. the technology we've got today. Could we? Probably not. I think if, if we could, someone would have done it. Someone would have done it by now just to prove it. 
Now, again, I'm not saying it's aliens. I'm not saying it's aliens, but I think there's a lot more that's happened in our past that's been lost through collapse of civilization or mass wipeout, mass extinction events, so that the knowledge hasn't traveled. And I think that if we had the ability to, I think these things we're seeing are still documented back then. Honestly, that's what I think. But I don't think aliens built the pyramids. That crazy uh, guy on National Geographic with the hair, I don't buy that at all. Yeah, I buy the, some weird stuff, but I don't buy that. The, like, the one I like is uh, the declassified UFOs on Netflix. That's probably because it's got, um, mm. what's his surname, Jeremy? Corbell. Corbell. Jer- Jeremy Corbell, absolutely. If I really like him. If you're listening to this conversation, you are finding any of it interesting. Just uh, Spotify, Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan show with Jeremy Corbell. It is unbelievable. Really, really good listen. And then to follow that one, that one up, listen to the one with uh, Bob Lazar. But my going on, I think final point is obviously just to kind of bring us back to reality, if you like. There is obviously a, a challenge or a question to say that do we have this technology and is it like a um, financial, financially backed private military company that have created these things that let's say the Navy, the U S Navy, our air force, Mm. their air force, the Chinese air force don't know about. Mm. And like, because when you look into these stories and stuff, you hear about that U S admiral that went to one of these private UFO in um, apostrophes mm. sites and basically was refused entry he is the top mm. cheese mm. of the u.s military on the seas in the world the u.s military or the u.s navy if you like basically uphold free free trade and free financial freedom apparently for mm. the rest of the world and he's the top of that so and he's not allowed in this facility so surely we have to be questioning that a little bit, right? Like a hundred percent. Of course you do. I, I also think I forget the name of the principle. It's one like you've got you've got Occam's razor and things like I swear it's one of the razors. There's about twelve of these razors. Occam's razor is the conspiracy Occam's is one. The, um Occam's razor is the, the simplest explanation, is probably right. But yeah. there's another one, it might not even be a razor. There is another one that says, um, Never assume, uh, never assign to conspiracy what could be assumed as incompetence, something along those lines. So assume if something's happening, it's because of incompetence first rather than conspiracy. So the whole, I don't want to say the word because I don't want anything getting flagged up on your on your, on your, your podcast, but the whole reason we were shoved into lockdown over the last two years, obviously there was mass conspiracy events based around that. But you also have to take into account that it's something new and we have very, very inept and corrupt governments a lot of what was going wrong was down to incompetence more than anything. 100%. So I think the more, when you listen to like Bob Lazar and he says loads and loads of these different uh, factions of the companies that were working on them didn't communicate with each other. They weren't allowed to communicate each other. So it suddenly creates this air of secrecy, which obviously allows a conspiracy as well. But I do think it's, I think it's more a case of people don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So, the military's got it and they're like, well, we don't know what to do with soldiers. We can bring some people in, bring some engineers. And then if they cannot figure it out, what do you do? You're not going to put all your resources into it. Suddenly a private contractor comes along going, well, I, I've probably got a team that can work on this. So I'll work on this bit. And then another private contractor comes along. 
suddenly it's in the realm of private contractors who aren't communicating with each other, whether that's because they want the answer because they can make more money out of it, or they just literally do not know what to do. So a lot of this stuff will just get shoved in storage probably because what the hell, what the hell can you do with it? You know? Well, yeah. I mean, when you've got somebody as clever as Bob Lazar and mm. people like him working on these things and they literally have no explanation, they mm. bet, like he was there only a couple of years from memory and mm. he was working on the, like the, basically where the power source was in this craft, apparently that's yeah. in, in era 51 or section four or whatever the hell it's called. And he mm. made no progress of it. It is one of those things, isn't it? Well, we're going to have to lock this away until we can, yeah. we have the technology to do something with it. So it's, it's like he said, he used a great analogy that if you took like the latest, greatest, like a Harley Davidson or something like that's that. That's right. Yeah. And you dropped it back in, um, Victorian like, times or something like that. Victorian times, like, but you left the key. Eventually, they're going to move around it, and someone's going to turn the key on. Someone's going to figure out that okay, this goes in there, and they'll figure they'll figure it out step by step. But that could take weeks. That could take months. That could take decades. But they're not going to be able to reverse engineer it. They don't have the met, met, metal allergy, metallurgy skills. They wouldn't be able to make plastic fenders, things like that. So for them to try and replicate it, they're not going to be able to. So what are they going to do? They're just going to put it somewhere. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Might build a shrine to it or something like that, because obviously things were different back then. And now we just we just shove it away and hide it and go, well, worry about that till later. We don't want to, we don't want to worry too many of the population, basically. Exactly. Bigger fish to fry as well. And when there's no... There's a problem. We I, I can kind of understand if you take the UFOs out of the realm of conspiracy because I don't see what money there is to be made out of it. If you take them out of the realms of conspiracy, the public doesn't necessarily need to know because again, only X amount are going to care. Most people, again, like, like we say, you've just got to carry on, still got to go to work on Monday, all that stuff. So what's the benefit of creating potentially mass panic, mass existential crisis? Some people, NASA not that long ago were working with... Um, uh, religious scholars trying to figure out if if they do ever bring the news that they've discovered alien civilizations, let alone ones that visit here, how's that going to affect people's faith? How's that going to affect um, religious sects? How's that going to affect even atheists as well? Yeah, how is that going to affect people? So that's why they can't just come out and go, "Yep, aliens are real. We got one of their craft. Have a great day." People lose their shit. Yeah, yeah. I'd lose my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would, but probably a bit more mellow than you. Two more points. Did you listen to Elon Musk's podcast with Joe Rogan? I've listened to Elon on Joe Rogan, and I've listened to Elon on Lex Fridman as well, which were really, really good ones. Amazing podcast. Why is he so shut off about it? Uh, so there's a good... They mentioned this not so long ago. Who was he talking to about it? Rogan was talking with someone about it. Um, it was the latest Corbell one. It was okay. Latest. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I've missed that. Then, yeah. And now Elon's like kind of shutting down the idea of it and saying, you know, they're 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 they're, they're subtle with their presence and things like that. I think it's really, weird, man. He's got a good theory that when he smoked weed on Rogan's podcast, obviously shares of Tesla and things like that dropped. But he was also threatened with losing his security clearance. Because he has Matt, he's very, very high level security clearance because of the 
the different areas he's got to work with for his Starlink satellites and his uh, SpaceX launches and things like that, which is absolutely fascinating. Um, so I get it. If the, if he doesn't want to lose his security clearance, he can't speak too much about some of these things. Like most of them, like most of them can't. Even, you know, ex-presidents come out and just give little drip feeds here and there about UFOs and aliens in Area 51. But some ex-presidents still have some sort of security clearance as well. So I guess you don't want to blurt too much out because you lose your security clearance and then you can't find, you don't get told anything, I guess. It kind of makes sense. Again, in terms of that Occam's razor, the simplest one, that sounds about right. I can't yeah. imagine the sheer number of pilots and even astronauts that have said they've seen, they see weird things in the sky. Now, granted, you'll see weird things in the sky anyway. People don't look up anymore, so we don't see weird things in the sky. We're too busy looking at our phone. But if you just took like two hours to sit down and just stare up, you'd see weird stuff. I'm not saying it's all UFOs, but the amount of people involved in air, aerospace that have seen things, I can't imagine a company as big as SpaceX now that are constantly chucking things up in the sky and have satellites all over the place aren't recording anything. I can't yeah. imagine for a second. No, no, 100%. I was sat um a place called Ham Hill in Somerset uh, a couple of weeks ago, Thursday night, just had a barbecue, pit, pitch black basically, apart from like, being on a lower level the street lights and you own like you say you only have to look up for i'm not saying i saw a ufo mate That's, we're not gonna have that red we're not gonna have that breakthrough on the podcast but <laughs> shooting star absolutely amazing <laughs> but then these little like lights that just sort of like hover and float and <laughs> then buzz around and like obviously the again the obvious answer is um it's a satellite but without a telescope that can zoom on it zoom on in on it and go oh yeah there's there it is there's that satellite you don't know what yeah. it is and it's i think it's just an amazing yeah. fit amazing feat and the imagination the, the and like being open-minded about the situation your imagination can go wild and i think that's why it's yeah. such an amazing conversation totally man well the last time me and my friend because we do this last time me and my friend went to a field in the middle of the night to try and manifest a ufo we saw and considering there's only about 120 up in the air we saw about 30-odd Starlink satellites flying by all, all over directions and moving pretty fast. But just sitting there watching those, I'm like, that's just as fascinating to, to me as any, as, as UFOs are. The fact that we do now have this ability to launch 20 to 30 of these things up and how the, the, the spaceship is dropping off its payload in space is incredible. Like, in terms of how technology has innovated over the last just 10 years, yeah. is mind-blowing absolutely mind-blowing i mean even 10 years ago would you have said you wouldn't have been able to say that someone's going to chuck a spaceship up in the air and land it perfectly back down on earth again let alone on a boat you'd be like nah of course not it's going to take another 50 years at least no, we're doing it we've been doing it yeah it's absolutely mind-blowing more people up to the space station in his in his uh in his own uh is through his own company and the rocket landed again like, man this is crazy what's it what are things going to look like in another 10 years? It's crazy. It's fascinating, man. Yeah, it's, it is the question, like, what's next, isn't it? That is That's the, the other thing, like, I think, when you're looking at things that question the nature of our reality, you've also got to look at the things that do actually feature in our reality that are amazing. Okay, so we've got the mundane of taking the bins out on Monday, but we've also got the absolutely fascinating fascinating elements that, you know, companies such as Elon Musk are, are pushing. 
incredible. The advances in artificial intelligence as well. Some are terrifying. Some are amazing. It's like we can't forget that side of things as well. And as long as people are, if you don't want to believe in UFOs, cool. If you don't believe in aliens, cool. If you don't want to believe in UFOs, you're making a choice there to go against what is actually being said. Yeah. But you've got also, you can't be so, what's the word? People are too easy, too quick to just live in the mundane. The news, social media, the new Netflix show, go to work, cool. That's life. Great. There's so much more fascinating stuff going on. And even if that is just, like you say, going out for two hours at night, sitting on a hill, just looking at this, this giant flipping universe that we're floating in. Well, not even floating, traveling at a, a terrifying, ludicrous speed. It's crazy. I'm not saying um, I'm green fingered, mate, but one of the most fascinating, amazing achievements I've ever done in my life is a, maybe a bit of an over, over extreme of a description. But this year I've grown runner beans and a raspberry bush in the garden. Oh, mate, come on. Just to see that grow <laughs> like from a little mate. plant to <laughs> then like growing up the stalks to flowering. Ooh. And then yeah. getting your source of food at the end of it on the on the case of the runner Crazy. beans. Crazy. You start you I do I bought them and I sit there and or stand there and I'm like, this is actually mad. Like it's <laughs> actually mad that Some, there's something primal in that as well. Because that's what we did. We yeah. had to grow our own food or we would not have survived. There was only X amount of stuff growing in the wild. And as soon as societies and civilizations started forming, we had to bioengineer essentially our own food we had to um we had to we had to create farms that, that fed the communities and man this is it's that's all part of how civilization grew anyway 100%. And we've so we've turned away from that more than anything i was looking at some flats recently where they said i, I don't know if it's like a, a community-based thing or whether you get your own area each as an individual but it's almost like you're going to get an allotment Sick. like you'll be able to grow stuff in there and just seeing that bit, I was like, man, I want to live there. I want to go there. I want to grow my own shit. Hell yeah. Okay, I'm probably not going to grow enough to feed myself, let alone a community or a family. But man, man I, I think there's a genuine connection to our, without sounding like Liver King, there's a genuine connection to our more primal ancestral nature, growing your own food and eating it than, than getting it from the shop, you know? There's something in that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, man. Like it's, it goes into that conversation, especially for men about, um, having to like, if basically like if you're, if we're to look at life at the moment, I, I see it from a personal perspective in terms of local football and the amount mm. of men or boys that don't go from youth football and play men's football. And mm. then you, you could probably see that break down across like people that take up boxing now, I can imagine that it's dropped off. People who go from college rugby to playing men's mm. rugby, I can imagine it's dropped off. And mm. that competitive spirit, that absolute guarantee that twice a week, once a week at training, once a week at the weekend, you're going to be playing football with your mates. And then obviously once a week, you you let off some competitive, your competitive edge or your primal edge, whatever you want to call it. And I, know, I don't want to be that guy that says it but there are there are genuinely fellas out there that love football love watching it don't play it and choose to go and go shopping with their missus on a saturday afternoon or go down the beach which okay i get but like the beach is there 
365 days a year. Your legs aren't going to run around for <laughs> for the rest of your life. You're not going to be able to socialize with your mates in a fun atmosphere for the rest of your life. I just find it. I'm not like, because that's my standards. Yeah. Like I've always wanted to play football. I've always mm. wanted to coach football. I've always wanted to get rid. I'm really competitive, mate. Whatever it is, I want to do really well at it or fuck it basically. But I've, I fear for these lads and I'm lucky because I say I'm lucky. I'm 30 tomorrow. Mm. And cool. the lads, the lads are like in the team, probably bit age ranging from 18 to let's say 24 and I'm buzzing for them because they've made a great choice in their life to do something with their mates. They're playing football regularly. They've got that social element as much as we would question it every weekend. They're going out on having a few beers and they're doing the things that they should be doing at their age. And also they're letting off some of that alpha shit that we've all got in our bodies. Yeah. Where do men maybe in the gym? That's my other like out your other outlet there's no real competitive streak unless you're competing where do mm. men this is a question to you where do men get their kicks or let their testosterone out without that outlet well this is where we're losing it this is where we're losing it it's it's again in terms of somewhere you can fire somewhere you can unleash your competitive spirit which is a normal masculine trait there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with that at all where can you let off some steam? Where can you socialize? Uh, that we're we're losing it. Like you say, you go you go to the shops on this is why I don't go to the shops. Go to the shops on a Saturday and you go near the changing rooms and you will see like 20 guys looking miserable, overweight, sat or stood outside staring at their phone while the missus is in the changing rooms trying on 20 different outfits. You do not need to be there, bruv. You could be anywhere else. You could be in Starbucks having a coffee, I don't know, working on something. Reading. So I think we've totally lost that. The gym is the next best environment for fellas by far. But again, it's not necessarily the best for socializing and it's not necessarily the best for the competitive spirit. So what's happened is we've seen instead we've gone for what I call digital dopamine. Guys are putting so much emphasis on their team sports and they're watching it on the TV, which is not the same. And they're having large scale emotional reactions to the result. Or they're going into computer games and things like that now yes there are some benefits of course to playing computer games i'm sure the studies have shown benefits in cognition and stuff like that and some of these kids now are talking to guys across the world when they're not talking to anyone in their own school you know yeah. so it's kind of sad but it kind of feels a need as well it's not a good way we're not meant to go that way we're not meant to go that way we we have what's the name of the hormone it's oxytocin oxytocin is released when we have physical contact with people or social contact with people, you're not going to get that off a TV screen or off of a, off of a headset. It's, it's, it's not the same signal. So your body's not going to release it. Your body's not going to reduce it. I'm certain it's oxytocin. So the dopamine hits that we're getting are weak. And because they're so weak, we want to, we feel the need to do it again and again and again, just to get a bigger hit of dopamine. And this will be through team sports, computer games, porn, whatever the hell it is. And we're drifting further and further into isolatory males, lone wolves. And as, as cool as that image might sound to some people, the lone wolves die. Herd wolves make it. The lone wolves die. So you don't want to be the lone wolf. 100%. We have to collaborate. We have to socialize. We have to compete. 
it's in our nature and that's where we get the bigger better dopamine hits from i'm currently looking at taking up boxing again just for the reason it's going to give me a chance to socialize with guys and it's going to help re-engage that competitive spirit that i'm not currently getting anywhere because i used to sprint i don't sprint anymore i wish i could my hips can't take it i used to olympic lift i don't olympic lift anymore again i wish i could but it's been too long i'd love to get back into it but it's going to take a long long journey based on some of the injuries and the the issues that i have now so i don't really feel that excited about doing it again something like boxing well there's a much more it's a much better way to let out some aggression much better way to let out some some uh pent up testosterone yes, there's a right. social element of there because all the guys are there for the same thing to get better at fighting there's a competitive element as well i think for me it's potentially the way it goes so that's what i'm looking at doing because i notice i really really notice in my life when i'm missing those areas when i'm not getting that natural or more powerful dopamine hits it's so easy to slide into well i'll argue with someone on the internet or I'll just I'll just isolate and get angry at the world. It's so easy to slip down that path. Some guys never come back off that path. Hundred percent, because they don't realise that th- things like you guys like you were promoting and um, and Kieran in Alliance as well, promoting like what do guys do when they're retired from their football? This is these are important conversations to have because if that's your identity from your late teens to your mid twenties to your late twenties. What do you do when you hit 30 and you're like, oh, I haven't really got time anymore. I haven't really got any energy anymore. Injured all the time. What do you do? You've lost a massive chunk of your identity and your socialization and your competitive spirit. I, it, wor- it genuinely worries me because I don't see where else people can go. 100%. I've, mate, I'm going to just say how right you are. Oxytocin, uh, released by the posterior pituitary. It plays a role in social bonding, re- reproduction, childbirth, and the period after childbirth. So there we go, mate. Amazing. There we go. go. Yes, that's a big bonding thing. Just, uh, I want to just go back to the gaming thing quickly. That was the second point I've forgotten when we were talking about spaceships. You know, when we're talking about them trying to make breakthroughs, you know, like the old school games where, like, you I'm sure you've played a few games where you literally, like, you're stuck. You just walk around the room if you're stuck in a room, press an A. And you're trying to find where the door is. That's what they're doing in these spaceships, mate. They're just like, where the fuck? They're like, it's exactly it. And then what do you do? You throw your toys out the pram. You 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 rage quit. Then you go right, I'll do something else, and you never play it again. That's what they're doing. They're rage quitting, reverse engineering. Rob, I can't believe we've done 40 minutes and we've done 30 on UFOs and (laughs) 10 minutes on men's health and uh, looking after your brain. Um. My next question for you is actually something that you mentioned within the UFO conversation, but don't worry, listeners, it's not another conspiracy theory. You spoke about um, how like faith is declining in, in the general pop of the world. And well, maybe there's a slight incline in the, in the, uh, the link to religion and religions in the world. Why do you think faith declined anyway? And why do you think it's a good thing that people are getting a little bit of faith back, no matter what religion it may be? I think it's it's more to do with the distancing from it. We've seen in the last 100 years alone some pretty horrific things. You know, just, just in 100 years or even slightly, well, it's horrible things happening all the time. 
So it's easy to come with that argument. I remember Stephen Fry really pushing the idea that he's an atheist because of the horrible things that happened. How, how can a God allow those things to happen? And yeah, it's a great argument. I know a lot of people that then took that idea on as their faith, so to speak. I think I think you can still class atheism as a type of faith. It is a, it is a belief. So the more we distance ourselves from the idea that something's going to come and save us or that something would allow all the bad things to stop happening, um, or you just go with the, you know, the fucking year six idea that there is a big bearded man living in the sky and 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 that's it it's it's such an old school way of looking at it and it's i think it's such a childish argument to just blow things off like that well i can't see it so it can't be real the burden of proof is on you to prove that this thing these things exist and stuff like that and the burden of proof is not on anyone that's why it's called faith it's a belief system now i, I my belief system goes way way weirder than any anything science or religion can explain way weirder but i don't push it on people like it is the truth and the other problem is when you get certain religious let's call them authorities or let's call them almost private companies that make a ton of money that that have ties to government that have ties to media and things like that because they have their own narrative they have their own agenda it's easy to lose faith in mainstream religion so i i get it right i get it it's so easy to live your life looking after yourself looking after your family looking after your community without ever needing to prescribe to a higher faith that's cool but a lot of people aren't even doing those three things they're not looking after themselves they're not looking after their family not looking after their community because they're distracted because they're so distracted if we had massive let's say we had a massive massive power cut solar flare from the sun wipes everything out and we can't get anything, any sort of technology working for decades, decades. I'm certain the, the the belief in faiths would probably rise again because we're not constantly distracted by horrific stories and news. You would be much, much closer to nature. You'd be much, much closer to each other. I'm not saying everyone would suddenly become Christian or Catholic or Jewish or anything like that. But I... I I don't think everyone should prescribe to a faith, but I do believe everyone needs to recognize that they are part of something that is bigger than themselves. And now most people don't do that. Most people think I, and that's it. They are the biggest thing, whether it, whether they're looking after family, whether they're looking after community, everyone's ego is so big now that they think they're the, the center of the universe. We see this on social media. So why would they need anything higher than them? Why would there be anything higher than them? They're the center of the universe. So how can it be a God above it? But Kanye, Kanye for a while was calling himself God. I mean, now he's he's toned it down a little bit. Um, but he, even then, like, people are so defensive over any one sort of belief system. Someone like Kanye comes out saying he does believe in God and he makes albums. And some of them were incredible. Albums about his faith. People went nuts. People went absolutely nuts over him. And it's because like it now kind of goes against the norm to come out with your religious belief, your religious faith. So when people see people getting attacked like that, they are way less likely to publicly declare their own faith as well. So therefore, it really, really seems like less and less people are prescribing to religions and things like that. But I guess it comes down to what circles you move in and um, who, who you read, who you get your, your, your information from, basically. 
because things I'm seeing, it's I think it's on the rise. I definitely think it's on the rise across all religions. What's your think... faith, Rob? So I was brought up, um, I was raised Christian slash Catholic. Uh, when I was 16, I completely abandoned that, didn't go to church anymore, dived deep into Buddhist texts. And you could say I was Buddhist for a while until like my mid twenties, my, my tattoos are Buddhist, um, uh, Buddhist symbols. And then after that, I went down the atheist path. I'm going to believe in science. The, the burden of proof is on other people. There's no such thing as guys living up in the sky and all this. But then I always found a deep fascination with reading old religious texts because they're all stories at the end of the day. They're just stories. And I found it so fascinating how these stories have traveled through time. And some of them go way, way, way back further than the than the Christian texts do. And I think it's it almost can be looked as like a historical document. What was going on so far back then for them to believe that there were several, if several hundred of these gods in certain religions and the lessons that they're getting from them that are still applicable today. That's that's the crazy thing. All the religion all the religious texts, all the lessons, the parables, the things that are in there, all of them are relevant today. And that's why I think it's a bit bad that we have strayed from some of these things, because there's lessons in there. But we just take them instead from guys like Jordan Peterson or we look, or Jocko Willink, or we look at the Stoics, stuff like that. They're all the same lessons, essentially. Now, over the last few years, I haven't really... <laughs> you, could, you could call me more of a universalist, I guess. Yeah, I love it. Right, I love come, that word. From, come from the universe we have the exact same um molecules in our system that were present at the big bang that has evolved into multiple forms of life on this planet alone which is beyond fascinating but the more and more i dig deeper into that i start believing there's something behind that but i'm not going to say it's a christian or a jewish or a buddhist or a hindu god or anything like that. i think it goes way 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 deeper way further for me to try and put that into words would be impossible we'd need like 20 zoom calls for me alien, <laughs> try alien. <laughs> no, to be fair i've just like out of my own interest i'm like well i remember being at school i went i, I was chris christened mm. and up until like uh 12 11 whenever it is you go from little school to big big school you kind of uh, like i was doing re the local reverend would come in and read you like stories from the bible that he thought was relevant mm. to the class and obviously you sit there as a 10 year old nine year old like oh jesus christ when's lunchtime i want to go and k- kick my sponge football around again you know what i'm saying and it's sad really and yeah. i'll tell you what else yeah. is sad as well is that like i'm not speaking on behalf of everyone here but i do look at people who get their child christened now and i don't think it's about the faith i think it's about the day and their family can like have a few beers and but there's um, not i don't think that's a bad thing because again like you say it speaks to about your community it speaks about keeping your close ones close which i think mm. is so important as you say about the lone wolf there's like mm. if you are if you are a lone wolf like rethink your plan if you think it's a positive thing re like you need to rethink your plan and ask yourself is this really what i want in my opinion but mm. going back to my point i've just googled kind of stories in the bible and bang straight away five come up like instantly healing the leaper dinner dining with a sinner preaching to the gent gentiles like that sounds a bit weird uh, the um, I think it's yeah. showing yeah. compassion to the sick and then forgiving those who hurt him like and these are all stories that jesus <laughs> taught apparently <laughs> and look i would never say 
whatsoever that I'm religious. But if I was to read those stories, I would see the relevance on human life and mm. compassion, on kindness, and how being kind can just make you feel good anyway. I'm a massive, massive believer in that. I genuinely mm. like this is no um word of a lie. One of my one of my stories from when I was at my lowest just before I joined Paul's um Unstoppable and then into Mansformation and then Alliance. I was just so sad, like low one day. But I seen a guy in a services whilst I was out working on the M M5, and I was like, he looks really unwell. I just went in and got him some food, Burger King and a Costa, I think, and just gave it to him. And instantly, like if it was five percent, it made me feel better. I yeah. felt that five percent, and I believe that that's such a lost thing. And I'm like certainly not one of those people that's going to go around and video myself giving food to the homeless or whatever. But yeah. doing that one act of kindness a day who can you impact positively you've done it for me recently yeah. taking your time to impact somebody positively in your day once a day it could take 30 seconds five minutes a two minute call to your mum to your dad to your grandparents to your best mate you haven't spoke to in ages can mm. make you empowered do you agree yeah 100 yeah, it's again it comes back to that community thing and it comes back to collaboration as well it's so rare to find this i mean look at our industry the fitness industry that is not a collaborative industry at all it's a combative industry and this is why the people who need our help aren't getting helped got more and more pt certifying every single year and that's the ones who bother to do the certification lockdown allowed god knows how many online coaches with zero qualification behind them whatsoever just because they can do a workout in the gym themselves, they just filmed their own workouts and suddenly they're an online coach, which is horrific to think these people are out there. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, we're not, we're not helping the people anymore because we're not collaborating. And that's one of the things I want to start eventually building. This is a much, much separate, longer topic. This is one of the things I want to start building is, is a collaborative element of the fitness industry where people are working together. If I were to and this is no slight on the gym I'm at because it would happen at any freelance gym. If I was to go on holiday and ask one of the trainers to cover my clients, you could guarantee there'd be one trainer who would be thinking about trying to poach those clients for himself. Convert them, yeah. Not because he thinks he's better for them, not because he thinks I've been doing the client a disservice. It's just literally thinking money. And that's the problem. That when we only think about money, we don't think of collaboration anymore. I... Okay, again, I'm exactly the same as you. I'm not going to walk around documenting or even talking about the good deeds that I do. I had a guy come up to me the other day. I feel so bad at the moment. I used to always carry cash and any spare change I had, that would be given away. But now because everything's cardless, just by default, I'm not carrying cash. So when guys come up and ask for any spare change, I, I feel bad that I can't do it. But I'll always offer to buy them food or something like that. And some guys want the food. Some guys just want your money for something else. And that's fine. I'm not judging. Guy came up to me the other day, asked me if I had any change on me. I said, sorry, mate, I'm not carrying. Like, I've got no, literally no change at all. And assuming that he wanted food, we was right by a Sainsbury's that I'd just come out of. He said, do you mind if you get something from Sainsbury's? Of course. Of course I'm going to buy the geezer something from Sainsbury's. And to be fair, how much is he going to buy? It's not like we're going in there and he's going to buy 20 bottles of wine or anything like that. <laughs> the cheeky, cheeky motherfucker <laughs> took me to the cash machine. <laughs> I was like, this geezer, this geezer's got it. They're going, this geezer's got a market. I like it. 
we went to the cash machine. It was just like, oh, it's just like a tenner for a night at the shelter or 20 quid would do me like two weeks or something like that. And I'll be honest, like that, the day he asked, money was tight. I was like, I can give the geezer a tenner. I can't give the geezer 20 quid. This is going to screw me over. But then I'm standing at the machine going, geezer needs it so much more than I do. So much more than I do. Why am I even worrying? Like, I'll figure it out. I've got a job. I've got clients. I've got products I can sell. I've got people I can ask for help. Why am I worrying about giving him an extra tenner? Okay, it might have been two weeks at the at the uh, uh, at the shelter. He might have I don't know blown it on drugs that night or alcohol. I don't know. He might have lost it. Someone might. I don't know. But what's the better thing for me to do? What's going to make me feel like a better person and make me have a more positive day and potentially positively impact his day a hell of a lot more? Is it going to be the guy that just goes, yes, 20 quid, have 20 quid, mate? Or is it going to be the guy that stands there giving excuses, going, well, money's a bit tight for myself to the homeless guy? Or I could have just said, no, sorry, mate, walked off and, and that was it. And okay, that's what most people are going to do. But it took me what? Cost me two minutes of my time and 20 quid for me to positively impact that guy's day, whether it was shelter, whether it was alcohol, whatever the hell it was, it positively impacted him a lot more than that 20 quid was going to positively impact me. And I felt better for it. And I had a bit of a spring in my step and I probably was in a better mood for the rest of the people I interacted with that day. It's again, like screw, screw religion. Like you don't necessarily need it, but you still need to be a decent, you don't need to be a prick. That means- still be a decent person. Uh- on an overall point, if you could take anything from the Bible, it's just how to be or how to try and be a better person within your life, 100%. Um, Mate, within that conversation, you dropped in a little self-talk moment and it was like, I don't judge in regards to whether the fact the fellow was going to spend it on whatever it is that he may have put into his body on that night. Or he may have been legit and gone and... um, gone and stayed in that hostel for two weeks hopefully that's the choice that he made we can only yeah. we can only um guess which one he did and i'm gonna try and be positive and say that he did what you told he told you that he was gonna do however mate that's not by coincidence that you've said don't judge i don't judge because that takes a lot of practice to get to that position of not being mm. able to do that mm. how has that come about with you because like obviously we're, we're all guilty of it in the past if, if you ask me like i've been in that position where i've walked past somebody in the street and gone like state of like you know you can imagine the state of that like how do you get in that situation yeah. blah blah yeah. blah but yeah. some of these situations aren't self-created 100 percent. but for you to be in that situation where in conversation you can almost check yourself and go i don't judge where does that come from practice fucking practice Things happening to me, being more, what's the word? Not introspective. Yeah, introspective. There was a, it's a quote that always stuck with me. It's my first ever gym manager said it to me. I don't know where it comes from, but it was something to do with the Shotokan karate school he was part of. It's introspection begets wisdom. So you're going to get the highest amount of wisdom, the most powerful lessons by looking inside yourself first before you get them from anyone else. And that always, those three words always stuck with me. And we're, we're going 14 years ago now. Three words always stuck with me. So always look at myself. How am I acting? How would I want people to perceive me? I don't want people to judge me for my actions, especially the actions that I'm doing accidentally or subconsciously. I would hate to be judged. We, we love to walk around and say we don't care what people think. It's bullshit. It's the biggest bullshit thing anyone on the planet has ever said. We don't care what people think. Of course we care what people think. 
So I try not to judge based on things that I know are probably out of someone's control or they're doing the best they can. Like Paul has said, they're doing the best they can with the tools they've got. That's hard the only, at times, isn't it? Yeah, man. The, the only time I will judge, because this is in our nature, we judge because we want to know, should we have kids with that person? Should we let them into our tribe? Are they going to steal our stuff? Are they going to kill us in our sleep? We want to know. We do judge. It's a natural, it's a natural part of life. And it's perfectly fine. But I try not to judge when, again, I know that person may not necessarily know any better or they're human and all humans are flawed and we all make mistakes. The only time I will judge is when there's someone consciously choosing to do things that are destructive for them or other people. When there's conscious awareness of it, then I'm like, you're not even trying. You're not even trying to make things better for you or for someone else. In which case, hell yeah, I'm going to judge you at that point because I know I probably don't want to associate with you. But if, if, it's, not, if it's not a clear, conscious action, why, why the hell would I judge him? Why the hell? Because it gets so many, so many people's perspectives and decisions don't necessarily come from their own choices. It's from their peers, from their family, how they were brought up, from the programming, from what social media or TV or news they watch, from other people's opinions. It's so many people would jump on the internet to spout their opinion based on what someone else has said first. So essentially, it's just a continuation of that opinion. So you could never really say it was your opinion. And it's the same thing with actions. We see people doing something because someone else has done it first that they necessarily wouldn't have done if the other person had done it first. Everything's a continuation of what someone else has done or said. It's just, just the way we are. We're, what was it, memetic? We're memetic beings. It's where memes come from. It's just a continuation of what they've done before. And we do it because we want to feel relevant. We want to have our own opinion. We want to be involved. So how, how can you judge people when it's essentially we're, without saying we are robots, but it's quite a robotic act. How can you judge someone for what's in their programming based on what other people and media and society and their parents and, and their DNA have caused them to do? So we can't, to, again, to, to judge people in that form is like saying we're the, we're the top of the tree. Um, of course we're not. We're as flawed. We can make stupid mistakes. Doesn't that doesn't take much doesn't take much. And in this era of news, we see these people that we put on a giant pedal stool. Pedal stool? Come on, Rob. Pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was. I, always I like the idea of a pedal stool, though. I always thought the idea of putting someone on a pedal stool was they were on one of these stools. Yeah, with, they could just... With the thing, and you just got to press that and down they go. I always thought that's what it was. It's devastating to find out it wasn't the case. That's why I, I was thinking more of like a pedal bin. If you stepped on the thing, they'd flip off the seat. Down they go. Silly motherfucker. 100%. <laughs> so obviously that leads to like, that's, let's say that person that you're saying is um, like subconsciously making those decisions. Mm. And then, so where I was in, in my life and, similarly from our previous conversations where you have been in your life is that you're subconsciously feeling down or flat or not 100% yourself or you're you don't have the energy to do the things that you love to do so then you make a conscious decision to change mm. for the better in our case that's by running multiple businesses on your side mm. for me starting a podcast starting my own business as a uh, fat loss and mindset coach as well um do you believe that that's what am i trying to ask here what is the difference between myself and you 
to somebody that has those negative results and doesn't do anything about it or those negative subconscious decisions and doesn't do anything about it. It all comes back to that awareness of where you're at. Those seven, was it stages of, fuck. Whether you're, whether you're in contemplation, whether you're in pre-contemplation, pre contemplation, action, etc. I forget the name of them now. I used to reference it all the time. But basically, they're, they're, some people are just in a state where they don't realize what they're doing. They don't necessarily realize the pain they're in. They don't realize how different things could be. The frustration they're feeling, they just accept it. This is my luck. This is my lot. This is how things are meant to be. This is just what happens when you get older. This is just what happens in a business, in a marriage, whatever. They don't realize that things can be different and you can and this stuff can be worked on. And it's only when things get really bad that they start contemplating, hang on, what do I need? Something needs to change here. But some people never get to that stage. Some people never get to that. It's going to do my nut like I can't remember the name of the process. Is it this? Is it surviving, conforming, differentiating, individuating, no. self? No. no. <laughs> right. But I like the sound of whatever this is you've Googled. I like the sound of this. What was one of the words you used? Pre-contemplation, uh, so pre contemplation, there's contemplation. There's action, pre-contemplation stage. There we are. The states of change. Trans-theoretical model. That's it. That's why I couldn't remember that word. It's huge. Trans-theoretical model. So there we go, mate. Amazing. Change. Pre-contemplation, which is where you don't even realise something's wrong. Contemplation. Okay, something's wrong. You realise. Preparation. You start doing the research. And then action. But action's not the good stage. Action is you've started. There's another stage, which is maintenance. And that's the one we need to get to. But the problem is... It's only five. There's a sixth one, which is relapse. And you go right back into pre-contemplation. You don't realize anything's wrong. You've abandoned all that stuff. That stuff don't work. Can't be for me. I'm just meant to be overweight. So I'm back down. In, so I relapse. So I'm back down in pre-contemplation. And you just constantly go through this cycle. And the goal is to get to maintenance and try and build from there. And in maintenance, you can go right back to contemplation, preparation, and action without ever needing to relapse ever needing to and that's where that's where the growth comes from it's in that maintenance stage doing things over and over and over again trans theoretical model how did i forget that come on man. mate, mate that's uh i broke that down for something for me to look into today because obviously mm. like for, for a client perspective yeah. especially with fat mm. loss and uh tracking your calories journaling all those sorts of things it yeah. comes into the into the case and without like i'm certainly no angel with all of this stuff like for two weeks prior to last week I was an absolute knob, like harsh, but I was no, no videos, no content, no journal, like really shit journaling. And then you're like, well, my result, I haven't had any new clients. My results personally have been crap. And then you're like, all right, state of change back to it. And then like straight away, you're on a, like, you just feel better for doing it. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's again, cause the frustration is is an alarm it's a warning sign that most people don't pick up on they just assume it's just natural human emotion it's just the way life's meant to be for those who have the ability to do so and that's kind of our job to help people recognize that it's a little red flag that's going off a little alarm saying something's not right here that means something needs to change or stuff's going to get worse and we've seen or you will have seen it with clients in every realm whether it's finance relationships whether it's fat loss business building whatever the hell it is our job is to get people 
is through our social media outreach and things like that is to educate to get people from pre-contemplation and contemplation to so preparation as well but to action that's our first step is to get people going right i'm going to start drinking three liters of water today and having veg of every single meal and going to bed at a decent time and turning my phone off and trying to get some exercise in and get ten thousand steps a day that's our job is to inspire people to do that we can then try and influence them or persuade them into our private coaching where they can you know rapidly enhance the uh frequency of their result or the the progress that they experience because they're getting more direct attention they've got more chance of staying in that maintenance phase but without our help it's so easy for people to relapse but you would have seen it and there's not a single coach out there who can say they've never had this but there will be clients that relapse and it could be a short-term relapse they completely blew it over the weekend but they want to get back on straight away it could be they just kind of gave up because they got frustrated and thought the process wasn't working or they finished with your services and communication disappears and they just go back to doing exactly what they were doing before yeah. because it's easy. And again, if we've not had them in that maintenance phase for long enough, then it's not maintenance. Maintenance becomes the lifestyle. Action is only a step. Maintenance is the lifestyle. If they're not in maintenance for long enough, they go right back to doing what they were doing before because that's the, been the majority of their time. So the longer we can keep them in maintenance, the, 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 the easier we can help them, the easier they can help themselves, really. That's the, that's the goal at the end of the day is to get people self-sufficient. I wouldn't necessarily want... I have clients that I train that I love training because it's great to train them. We have great chat. We have great fun on the gym floor. Um, they're nice people. And that relationship could go for quite a while. But if I've got a client that wants me for the rest of their life, they're not self-sufficient. I have to teach people to be self-sufficient. Someone's making great progress, but two years down the line, still asking me what snacks they can have for, <laughs> for, for days out that are high in protein. Things like that. Then I'm like, mm. something's happened here. I haven't communicated it enough or they've just not listened. Yeah. Some people just want that that daddy mummy figure to tell them what to do and so they don't have to worry about it. But we have to create self-sufficient people or they'll always rely on us. But what happens if we want to change what we're doing? PTs don't last in this industry for long. Online coaches especially, I think the dropout rate's even higher because most people didn't know what they were doing to start with. And an online business is hard to build. But yeah, I kind of lost my point there. I think that's no, no, it. mate. It's all, <laughs> all relevant stuff, 100%. I've got a final question for the podcast today and it's one that's relevant because I know that there's, um, and do you know what? I've been guilty of it as well recently is um, seeing the, on social media and stuff, all the chat about the rise in inflation and uh, the the lack of money that there's potentially going to be in another recession on the horizon, all those daunting headlines and stuff. So my question to you, Rob, is how does a modern man go about not losing their shit in a financial recession you become self-sufficient and you create community those are the two things how do we, you become self-sufficient rob so whether that is through building your own business so you can control the income that is coming in or whether that is through just budgeting better so the money you have not the, the money you have got coming in does not disappear obviously inflation could make that disappear a lot quicker than you spending it but making sure you're not spending it on stupid, erroneous things. Spend it on things that are going to help you. Uh, think investment rather than cost. The things that you're putting your money into, how's that actually going to help you long term? That's what you've really got to look at now. Rather than just stupid, plastic, metallic, digital things that aren't actually adding to your life. that You're being told to buy. 
So you become self-sufficient by also looking after your own health. That's the most important thing. Okay, in the middle of a recession, if you've not got your health, then you're kind of screwed. Okay, money, whatever the hell else, that's, that can't, that's second nature to your basic needs, your basic survival needs is your own health first. So you have to look after yourself. You have to drop some weight because it's going to help you hormonally. It's going to help your immune system. It's going to help your mental health as well. So you have to do that. And that's another part of becoming self-sufficient. That can be joining a gym. That can be just learning how to exercise at home. That could also just be not eating like a moron. And obviously, if we've seen the cost of living and food prices going up, even more reason to not eat like a moron because <laughs> you're just spending money on nutritionless, pointless flipping food just for a, for a little dopamine hit. You've also got to improve your all, all the basic health things. You've got to improve your sleep because that's going to make you a better person to be around. It's going to make you less of an irritable prick. It's going to mean your neurotransmitters and your hormones are actually produced at the rate they're meant to be produced. To be truly self-sufficient, you've got to look after your health. But then you've also got to look at, okay, what else do you need to sustain your life? We well, need money coming in. How can you bring more money in and how can you hold on to that money? Then it's community as well, whether that's improving your relationship with your closest partner, whether that's improving your relationship with your family, whether that's improving your relationship with your community. Again, if we know the lone wolf is the one that dies in the middle of a recession, cost of living crisis, housing crisis, winter's going to be pretty bleak. You don't want to be the person trying to survive it on their own. So community has to come into play, whether that is a, a band of brothers that you're helping each other out, whether that is a much, much wider spread community you can get involved with, whether that's community incentives that you start yourself. So you feel like you have a little bit of purpose going forward as well. All those things have now got to be placed in much, much higher importance than they've ever been placed before because things look much, much bleaker than they've ever looked before. So that's what we need to do. Self-sufficiency and community as well. Those two go hand in hand. I think Rob, to do that, you'd be a pretty decent fella. Mate, honestly, <laughs> an absolutely outstanding answer to, in what my opinion is, an like outstanding that. chat, mate. Unbelievable. Mate, outstanding question. It's a great question. Because people aren't thinking about it. They're just putting, again... Let's rely on the government. It's the worst thing to rely on. My political beliefs, regardless of what they are, really, really think that we should have limited government. And at the moment, we've almost got totalitarian. But people aren't thinking that because we're in the West. They don't. Of course we haven't. No, it's not. It's almost like a new Soviet Union, which is why we're seeing rapid inflation, cost of living crisis, fuel crisis, food crisis, obesity crisis. The whole fucking works. This is why we're seeing it. So the more you rely on yourself and your community and those nearest and dearest to you, the more chance you've got of positive impact and positive yeah. change in your own life, rather than relying on outsourcing that. Because they ain't got our best interest at heart. Of course they haven't. We've I've been seen... guilty myself. Um, they'll do something. They'll do something to slow yeah. it down. Yeah. They'll do something. No. Yeah. No, Harry. Mm. No, Rob. Take fucking responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mate, what an episode. I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, this has been episode 62 of the Grassroots Guy podcast. Rob, where can people come find you if they want to come and find you? So the best place, uh, you can you can, you can can find me on Instagram at Rob Core, R-O-B-B, two Bs, C-O-R-E. But I'll be brutally honest, it's my personal one. And I'm kind of shutting it down to people I just know. But if you do want to follow me on there and hear me talk about stupid stuff and UFOs, and I've made it private. Just ping me a DM saying you heard me on Harry's podcast. <laughs> if you're looking for my fat loss coaching, then fat loss fast lane on all the social media channels. I also do a copywriting business as well, helping fit pros and coaches. 
Copy domination is where you'll find me there. But I'll be honest, fat loss page, I talk about fat loss. Copywriting page, I talk about copywriting. You don't need to follow me on those two if you're not interested. If you just want to hear me talk bollocks, then my own personal one is the one. But if I've made it private by the time you get around to it, just ping us a DM and I'll, I'll let you in. It's an exclusive. There you go. I'll definitely <laughs> whack the links to all of Rob's pages in the uh, episode description. It's been an absolute blast being back on the podcast with episode 62 of the Grassroots Side podcast with me, your host, Harry Purdy. I will be back once again with a new episode every week for the forthcoming future speak to you all later oh one more thing listeners if you are listening on spotify and apple Podcasts, please drop this podcast a five-star review it does go a long long way to help on the show we will see you soon take care